Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. I have two guests today. The guests are technologist and business person Jim Couples and journeyman carpenter and overall badass Anthony Reed. Guys, welcome to the show. Hi, Patty. Thanks for having me. So this is uh, really cool. We're doing, this is only the second live stream, so bear with us if we uh, have to work out some kinks still. Uh, Last week we had a little bit of an echo, and I, I think that we've got that figured out. We are streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast or learn more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to strpod.com. So we're going to talk today. This episode is being called the Springfield Ballot Drop-Off Panel Discussion. I wanted to have you two guys on because behind the scenes, we've been talking a lot running up to this election Tuesday. It is too late to mail in your ballot. So we're going to talk today uh, about how to drop off your ballot by Tuesday, May 17th. But come on, people, don't wait until Tuesday. You can drop it off this weekend. Uh I'm going to include a Dropbox locator in the show notes, but it's really easy to find if you just Google ballot Dropbox locations, Oregon or Lane County, then you'll find places to drop off your ballot. I always drop my bo- my ballot off at Splash uh, when I go to the do- dog park. So there's one there. Uh, where's a, where's a, a ballot Dropbox that you guys like to use? The only other one in Springfield is at the, at the library, I believe. At the library. That's right. Yep. Right underneath the library downtown. But it's easy to locate if you don't live in Springfield, if you live in Eugene or whatnot. So they're all over the place. But yeah, uh, Tuesday, May 17th. And we're going to talk about that a lot. It's the last day to drop it off. But don't wait until then. So like I said, you guys have been working a lot behind the scenes, canvassing uh, primarily in Springfield. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Anthony. What has that experience been like? Uh, well, wet lately. <laughs> and um, other than that, a lot of a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm only able to canvas on Saturdays. It's um, the only availability I have. And a lot of people are gone. So it's going through a lot of doors, covering a lot of ground, uh, finding those people that are willing to open the door and have a conversation with you. Um, pleasantly, I've actually run into a lot of people who are like, already voted for Joe. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. And, you know, uh, But there's been some times where you run into people who are less than uh open to to talking about it in fact last time i went canvassing last week and i ran into a guy who was like oh well you know i go to church with david i said okay cool so uh you know it's not about any anything about anybody personally you know it's about who can do the job better and and kind of went through the list of what joe's done and and uh after talking to the guy for about five or ten minutes he uh he came around and goes you know what i i think i i think i can go vote for joe wow so i mean that was that was a great experience for me um i happen to have we went as um with the carpenters, I went with local two seven one out with a bunch of carpenters, and so I had a guy with me that never canvassed before. So it was kind of cool to get him out there, get him. Uh, he'd recently joined the union and was just wanted to be involved. So uh, it was kind of inspiring me to get out there and 
and train them up a little bit. Wow, that's cool. Jim, what about you? Yeah, you know, I've been lucky because I also can do weeknights. And weeknights are great for canvassing, right? Like five to seven are the golden hours where you have like the adults or, you know, 18-year-olds who are voting home. So I think I was out there this week on Monday and Tuesday nights. Um, both of those went well. You know, you hit a lot of doors. But then again, when you're when you're knocking on doors, it all depends upon what doors you're knocking on and how well it goes, right? So when you're going through canvassing, uh, some people on this podcast are probably really familiar with this, and some might not be, but usually have this little app. A lot of the times we use NGP Van, and it's showing you the houses. And depending upon where you are on the campaign is depending upon where you're knocking on the doors most friendly to you, or sometimes you expand if you have more resources and stuff. So we've been hitting kind of like true blue Democrat houses lately, and and those usually go pretty well for Joe. And then when I, whenever I'm walking, I, if I see anyone in the driveway and I, I talk to them, um, so I kind of go a little bit off script too, and I'll meet, you know, Republicans, unaffiliated people, whoever. Um, so yeah, you know, you gotta, you get a good cross section of everyone that way. Um, but the, the doors I've knocked on so far have been, have been good for the candidate that I'm supporting Joe Bernie in this. Um, and then the other thing that I really take away from, and this is the best part about canvassing. You get to really hear what people want, right? Like we don't have a lot of polls in this community or anything. So you can talk to me and Anthony for your polls because we'll tell you we've you know, talked to now hundreds of people. So the roundabouts on Main Street have <laughs> driven people insane, Yeah, right? Like that's, you know what? If I hadn't been knocking doors, I wouldn't be as familiar with that. I don't mind the roundabouts. I don't want to sound, you know, but, you know, that's... That's uh that's not popular, trust me. <laughs> no, I know people. But um but knocking on doors, that's what I'm seeing. I'm I'm seeing there's a lot of people that are talking about the roundabouts, um, you know, specifically in in the Joe Bernie race. Oh, they'll talk about Joe and and you know, when you're canvassing, you, you kind of have to have three things ready to talk about. I think Joe's done, you know, at least two dozen good things. But I've got like my three things in the back pocket that you lay on people and stuff. And 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 for me, that's like, you know, wages. Joe did a great package, I think, with Senator Manning on collective bargaining wages and, and baking them into all the contracts. Um, the patrician. Um, I also think that was another huge thing. Joe, you know, helping helping them get out of there. And then the other thing that that I really think was is easy to communicate to voters is Joe put the brakes on the indoor track that was going up in Glenwood that no one was really comfortable with, right? Except for like the small group of people that were pushing it forward. Yeah. So dialed all the way back, Patty. It's it's going well. I get to do weeknights, which is pretty nice. Um, and and the best part is is hearing what our neighbors and everyone else is thinking. Well, I appreciate what you guys do because – I'm a precinct committee person and I think you both are as well, or at least I know Anthony, you are, uh, and I should be doing more when it comes to canvassing, but I have a little bit of a agoraphobia, especially with COVID still being around. And I just, I don't know. I need to know, like you're saying, I need to be more prepared and I'm getting closer and closer to having that confidence. And so Jim, you're somebody that, that has really made me feel welcomed to the process. And I know that if I, if I choose to go, I know that I can kind of take a step back and watch first. 
And so anybody that wants to become a precinct committee person to help out the Democratic Party, um, you can message me or message the podcast and I can help you find out how. Because there's there's obviously on the ballot, uh, I wrote your name in, Anthony, because I don't know if you are an official write-in. Because to be a write-in, yeah. you do have to actually file. But I'm on the ballot in Springfield and it was pretty interesting to see my name. This will be the second time that I've done this. But I've done, I haven't done what they really wanted everyone to do, but I do my own way. I do the podcast, you know, and I, and I, I raise elevate voices that way, but I do just appreciate both of you and what you do behind the scenes. And I've learned so much from you and I, I look forward to learning more. Uh, you know, some of these races have gotten kind of ugly and I'm, I'm going to start with you on this one again, Jim, I'm kind of new to this. And I think Anthony, I think it's safe to say that you would consider yourself fairly new to this, uh, Springfield politics, uh, Jim, but you've been paying attention for a long time. Is this the most civic participation that you've seen, first of all? No. Um, no. You wow. know, I think like, um, no, I've, I, I think like 2020 people were pretty fired up, right? You know, I guess I'm still, I'm still, that's the same. I'm, that's the same time. I'm, I'm still, that, I'd say from 16 until now, I would consider like now. <laughs> You know, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, it, in 2008, people were crazy for Obama. Sure. I remember knocking on doors for him, and it was like everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was no arguments. I mean, Springfield, Eugene, doesn't matter where you go, he was crushing it. And that so had to I have saw... done well down ballot, you know, for Democrats. That had to have done well. I know there was a lot of Republicans that voted for Obama, though. Yeah. I wish I kind of could recall that, Patty, because I don't really remember that. I mean, back then, we had the balance on the county commissioners were always in the Republican favor. It was really the tail wagging the dog in Lane County where we had this huge uh, Democrat registration advantage and um, the Republicans would just, <laughs> they would usually hold three out of the five seats. And then we flipped that and we got it back to three out of five on, on the Democrat side and that's up again. But I've, I, I, the people are pretty charged up right now, but yeah, back in, in 2020, you know, because it was like with the removal of Trump election, it felt like, right, the larger context. And then in 2008, the Obama energy was was really there as well. I'm trying to recall 2010. I mean, I, I knocked doors, right? I was like, I don't, I don't do too much volunteering, but I'll knock doors. So I, I should keep a diary and <laughs> like recall what it's like in each of these because I'm kind of, I'm trying to remember what the 2010 uh, National Tea Party election was like and I, I really don't remember but yeah. um, people are people are definitely um, you know they're they're this this campaigns or there have been a couple elections right now that have that have gotten negative so things are a little bit more active. Yeah, Anthony, what about you? I mean. You know, watching as this has gotten a little bit uglier, you're somebody that I get a kick out of the way that you uh, use social media to kind of engage with people of the opposition party. We'll, we'll just say that, you know, somebody like Joe Pichinari, you've been very vocal on things that he said, and I sometimes bring in humor to it. But what are your thoughts on how this has kind of gotten ugly? Is that a surprise to you or is that kind of what you would expect with how tight these races seem to be? Just knowing Joe Bernie personally, it's a little bit of a, a surprise. I think that, of course, like most candidates um, that I support, he would like to run, you know, a, a clean campaign, if you will, um, you know, and stay out of the weeds. But when you have an opponent who's willing to go below the bell and even straight up lie about you, you kind of have to fire back. There has to be some kind of uh, get the record straight or just say, okay, hey, if that's where you want to go with it, buddy, you got 
you got a little more skeletons in your closet than I do. So if we have to take it there, then we got to take it there. And I think that Joe understands the importance of this election. Yeah. I mean, not just in his race, but uh, across the board from governor all the way down in Oregon. It's a, this is a huge election cycle. And, um, you know, I've talked with Joe and he wouldn't even be running again if uh, if David Lovell wasn't running. But he knows what's at stake. And we need Joe. Was you know? David Lovell, was he an early entry for, I, you know, I don't know. Because I know that, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Mark Molina, Victoria Doyle race for city council. I know that Mark Molina was he's jumping at the bits he he wants to get more and more involved and this is something that he's so passionate about to get on city council and uh victoria doyle from what i understand was very late to have her name thrown out and there was some people that mark has has talked a lot about about how they he he believes that they were pushing to have they're like nope we we don't want mark and i love mark yeah. molina mark molina is an incredible human being you know and is so so awesome about bridging the divide so much so that he had a sit down interview. I don't know how long ago with David Lovell, where he was praising him a lot and I'm sure he regrets it now, <laughs> you know, in some ways. I, I, I don't know if he does regret it um, necessarily uh, because I've talked to other uh, prominent figures in our community that have praised Lovell for his development. Sure. Now that doesn't make him a good Blaine County commissioner. That's a very it makes fair him point. A good, it makes him a good developer. But also in part of his role as a developer is he's taken money uh, to help him develop that from a com from a committee, I guess you'd call it, that he would be a part of as a commissioner, which is a huge, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, conflict of interest, yeah. Conflict of interest. Look for. So, yeah. So that's the first thing that struck me is knowing who David Lovell and, and the way and what he does in our community um, as a developer. That was the first thing that stood out to me was, okay, this guy wants to get in and and continue to develop his properties, you know, through, through this Avenue. So um, what I say, Mark Molina regrets those support. No, it was a support for a completely different, uh, different aspect of who David Lovell is. I agree with that. And also I think that Mark is really just trying to do something that I honestly don't do enough is listen to people that he may disagree with and learn from them. And I think that that's really incredible. You know, that he has really tried to, he wants to have, bridges like i said he really wants community to come together so that we can listen to each other and make compromises i mean he's been vehemently against the main street safety project and i think it's because he did he listened to people that maybe i i wouldn't sometimes and so i mean i did an episode of the podcast about the main street safety project because sean van gordon asked me to and, and like you jim i was like i kind of like this idea because i like new roads because i'm a i'm a skateboarder <laughs> you know i'm 40 now but i grew up skating so the only thing i care about is a smooth road <laughs> You know, so no, but it, there's a lot of problems with it. But anyway, yeah, Mark Molina is great. And, and, but that's going to be, that's a tough race, you know, and going so, back to what you were saying about, uh, about her getting in, I believe that Mark got in like one of the first days you could possibly file early. and Victoria got in on one of the last, uh, maybe even the last day you could possibly file. Um, so I think that may have worked against, you know, Mark in the fact that he had three months or whatever of thinking he was running unopposed. Uh, you know, which probably didn't do him any favors. And then at the last minute having somebody said, Hey, look, this guy's been running on a pose for this long. Hasn't done, you know, hasn't put a lot out there. Let's throw an opponent at him, chuck some money at it and see what we can get back. That's a really good point. And, uh, yeah. And so yeah. I believe that there's a lot of money in that, in that race going, I mean, you know, if you, you can't go anywhere without seeing Victoria's signs, right. The same, same with love all they've thrown a ton of money at trying to get out in front of people, getting billboards, getting signs, getting, you know, whatever they can do to, uh, to just constantly be hitting you with, with that name. Um, and hopefully, 
you know, democracy works when we, you can't buy an election. You actually have to have some uh, some policy and some experience and, and be willing to do what you need to do to fight for our community, right? Yeah, we're pretty inundated at this point with different names and different billboards and signage and commercials. The commercials have been out of control because I watch a lot of basketball, so I've been watching a lot of live television. Because I know nowadays people stream. But that's the other thing is, is that I've been seeing people complain about Val Hoyle uh, streams on YouTube. <laughs> you know, they're like, every time I watch a video, I got to see the same ad. And so I wonder if there's a trade-off. You know what I mean? Like if there's too much of it. Because to some voters, we care about this stuff. So we're. I would love to see everybody's campaign ads, even if there's no chance in hell I would support them. Because I want to see what they're talking about, what they're doing. That's why I do this show is so that I have an opportunity to, I mean, I, I cover other things than just politics, but, but man, for some people that are not as passionate, they see those ads and they're like, I will not vote for you. I don't care how good you might be. I'm so tired of seeing it. So there's such a balance on how to navigate that. It's kind of interesting. And, and there, there is, there is, there's, there's, there's a backlash. And then I think, you know, there's two things that I think about with this, um, so I, I used to work for a political software company and, and then you would just deal with people that were on the fence about running a lot. And one thing that was super duper common is if no one has filed, oh, someone wants to get in and take that spot. They're afraid of losing. That is so universal among candidates um, where and, and, then, and then people will just sit back and look. And then if it's just one candidate or they think they're weak, as Anthony was mentioning, um, they jump in on that. You know, we've got two two races on city council. I believe we've got two where we have no candidates at all, which is crazy, right? Like, you know, as uh, whether it's the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, non-affiliated, we, we, we are controlled by the boomerocracy. And, that, and that's who's coming back in in those seats, right? We've got like, you know, Steve Moe, who's a little bit older, and then Michelle Weber, who was a Republican until just a few years ago, has switched parties, and she's got the easiest path to city council I think I've ever seen, yeah. right? Like we didn't recruit anyone. There's no young person um, that was recruited to take that spot or, or run. That's a problem, right? And I'll, I'll just mention that and, and, and be the, uh, you know, uh, be pointing something out that we could, we have to do better on. And then, you know, the other thing that, that we're talking about when it comes down to these candidates and kind of like, you know, the polarization that comes with it and, and on, it's on the extremes and, and their ads and stuff. Yeah, those ads mean something. They're not always positive. I think there's a backlash. But the one place that there's never going to be a backlash is for the campaign managers that raise that funds and then put that money towards those ads because they get a percentage of each one. So every time you see that Val Hoyle ad, maybe it does turn off a voter, but there's a little bit more money that goes into that campaign management staff. And, and that's something that we also have to talk about, right? Some of these campaigns... I think they could put that money a lot better spent knocking doors, doing things like that. But you just get inundated with ads during a Celtics live stream game, right? Like that's, that's not working, but you know what, that, that works on the money side and, and let's not, you know, we weren't pretending it. So I'm not saying we were, but I just want to bring that front and center. This is politics. This is also money. People make a living on this. And we're talking about a lot of ads. That's someone's money. That's a campaign firm that raises up a lot of money and they get paid every time one of those done they get paid even more when people are shooting videos because they're part of that video shoot, that expense they got a piece of and everything else. Yeah. So and that's it's why you see a lot of ads. I mean, I'm a prime example of, of this this cycle of how it's not necessarily the full story because, you know, I was on TV every time to tell, you know, every commercial break with An- Andrew Kalik. 
And and I honestly, I, I don't know if this is taboo to say, but I voted for Doyle Canning. <laughs> you know, so, so I mean, I am a huge fan of Doyle Canning. And so I, I really like Andrew. Don't get me wrong. You know, if he wins this primary, I will support him fully in November. I will be knocking on doors. But Doyle was just closer to what I'm about. And so I was in his ad constantly, you know, you know, and I get all these calls and people are like, you know, what's going on with that? He came to the barbershop. He's a customer. I told him the truth about who my support is for. But I really I do like him a lot. I think he's great. But it's just funny because I, I mean, people were like, Patrick, I saw you on the TV, you know, you know, and I'm, I was glad to do it. I was glad to do the ad and I was and whatnot. I mean, he's shaking hands, talking to people, you know, just canvassing and, and, and meeting the community. But, uh, you know. I want to talk about one-sided information algorithms. Can we see the world through each other's eyes if we don't agree on facts? I guess, Anthony, I'll start with you. I talk about this every chance I get. Whenever we talk about polarization in, the, in this world, I always come back to, like, you think about Facebook, Google, anything you use on the Internet. You have these uh, bias confirmation algorithms that every time you search something, it gives you more of that. So then it pushes us further and further apart, right? Um, and so it's really hard to have a conversation with someone who's on that other far end because the facts are different. You know, for, for half of America, uh, Joe Biden won the election. For half of America, it was stolen from Donald Trump. And yeah. those are facts on, on both ends. And you have to, so you have to find a way to talk to people um, and and agree on the facts. And it's, it, gets, it gets harder and harder all the time to do that with this, like you're saying, with the algorithms pushing us in different directions. And that's the difficult thing is because you say, and I, I don't disagree, but you say those are facts on both ends, but they're not. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's only- Depends on who you're asking. That's the thing, alternative <laughs> facts, because there's only one truth. Well, there's only one fact. Truth, I think, I well, we can get into semantics, but, you know, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, how, do, when it comes to elections, and I, I don't want to get, hate mail but like do we how do you truly know as an average person that you know you you want to you can only trust your gut on that but there's certain things that we'll disagree on that are like not not debatable that are facts and it's just difficult now covid covid is something that i think it's impossible for somebody to have a hundred percent they know the truth they know everything they know how it started where it came from how it transmits that's that's too difficult with something like COVID, you know. So that one's a debatable thing, that I think that people's perceptions to all this new inundating information coming at us, it's 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 understandable how people would you know kind of process that differently, and and it, it was constantly changing, but you know I want to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter. I've I kind of bring, been bringing it up a little bit because I think it's so massive. And Jim, you're a computer guy. I don't know about you. Use social media as well a lot. I don't. Are you on Twitter a lot? I'm on Twitter. You know, I'm more of an observer on Twitter. I don't use it too often. Every once in a while, I'll pop off. I was talking about, like, California water shortages. So I'm yeah. not that exciting on Twitter. Right? Sure. But, I mean, <laughs> what are your of- thoughts? What are your thoughts in – the big thing is is that when one person can basically have a hostile takeover of an entire uh, public – virtual public square, it's it raises some eyebrows. And it's not just about what he's going to do with it. It's the fact that he was able to. But, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, uh, regarding Twitter, so prior to it, and I'm not the one who, you know, is, is bringing this hot take out for the first time, but prior to the, you know, Elon Musk potentially taking it over from, I, I think yesterday they said that he's putting on hold for a little bit. 
But prior to that, right, like it's owned by what? Like a, a big part of the Saudi investment family. We're not crazy about them. They killed, you know, the journalist Khashoggi by whatever, <laughs> like circular sawing him up or yeah, whatever. In a and, then, and then, yeah. and then, you know, another big, big owner of that, of, 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 uh, of Twitter at, uh, right now is BlackRock, who buy up all these 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 homes across the country, and then they just rent them out and everything. So, I don't know. Like, it's not like we're moving from a benevolent power overseeing Twitter to a less benevolent one. Like, will it change? Yeah. Is there a huge importance that we haven't really, you know, come to terms with regarding the public square, the internet, and you know whether there should be either at a utility or, or something else like those are other questions, but I, I wasn't so uncomfortable with Elon Musk and I'm not an Elon Musk fan. I have a lot of issues with him and, and I like Tesla for some things and Tesla's terrible on the labor side. Anthony, the, you and I, yeah, we're going to get to labor in a minute on that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, but, uh, but as far as like Elon Musk taking it over and what he said he wanted to do, I was like, well, okay, like, let's see how it plays out. So you guys are, are probably a little more passionate about that than, than I am. Yeah. And that, that's only because it's, it's, it's coming from like, not a great bunch of people to another person who's debatable. I just think it's <laughs> so important for people. It's so important for people to understand that social media does not protect your free speech. It's a, it's a, it's a private business, these businesses, these, these platforms, and it's our responsibility to know things. You know, it's like even with the Russian memes, it's like, is that against the law? Like, you know, you know, for them to say things that are false. I mean, we're seeing it in the, these local campaigns with lies being spread. And you have to combat that with the right information, you know, and you have to really do the legwork to get the, the word out there of the truth. But ah, it's so difficult. Uh, we, you know, we got, we got to move on. I just wanted to talk on that a little bit because I just, we're, we're in such a polarized society, you know, and there's so many reasons, and I think it's just really important that we we push through and, and try to find ways to kind of bring people together. Anthony, one of the things you wanted to talk about, and this is going to go back to kind of more of a local thing. You know, I had mentioned in, in the opening that you are a journeyman carpenter, uh, and you've taught me a lot uh, in some of your rants about labor policies. <laughs> and so I wanted to have you, give you a chance to talk about uh, the current candidates in our area and what the candidates have shown you as far as labor policies. Yeah, first I'd like to call them uh, passionate responses rather than rants. They're sure, that's, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Rant, rant is uh, a four-letter word. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as, as far as my where I come from when I'm voting is, to be honest with you, you know, I'm, I'm not so much a, a political uh, entity as I am just a regular-ass dude. And I'm a carpenter and I have a family and I have a truck payment and I have a house payment. And so I vote my paycheck for the most part, you know, unless there's something completely egregious that I cannot abide by and within a candidate, I'm voting my paycheck. I'm voting who supports me, who supports my industry, who supports labor, who supports unions, who supports what I'm about. My wife's a teacher. So she's in a union. I'm a, I'm a carpenter. I'm in a union. Um, and I'm generally every day fighting for, you know, for labor rights. And I tell everybody that'll listen, you know, we're one piece of legislation away from losing any meaningful power within our unions, right? If we go right to work state and people don't have to pay their dues, they say, hey, you don't have to pay to work. So people stop paying dues, unions lose their power. And now the contractors or whoever you're working for has all the power, right? And then we go back to 
working 12 hour days for straight time or whatever. Yeah, I will have you. Um, as far as local candidates go, when I'm out knocking doors, it's easy for me as a carpenter. Cause if I'm knocking for Joe Bernie, I can say, Hey, like I, like I told you guys, I'm not a political guy. I'm just a regular dude, but I'm a carpenter and Joe Bernie works hard for carpenters. You know, in the, in the bills that he's worked hard to pass with the prevailing wage laws, with uh, apprenticeship utilization, these are things that I see a direct effect in my wallet, you know, as far as I can support my family, as far as keeping local work local, uh, you know, so I don't have to drive to Portland to work because some company from Texas came in and took a contract here locally and brought their own workers with them and they take their money back home and pay taxes back home. You know what I mean? So this keeps our money local. Now, if Joe Bernie's willing to go through and get that stuff passed, and work for us. I can go out in the rain and knock doors for a couple of hours, you know, for this guy. So it's easy for me to say, hey, he works hard for me. I'm working hard for him. And I hope you guys will give him a chance to continue to work hard for everyone in Lane County. No, and I, it's, I'm so glad that you said that about how you're not a political guy, so to speak, but you vote your, your paycheck because I think that that's something a lot of people can relate with. Jim, how do, I want to hear what you have to say about what kind of what motivates your vote, you know, as far as, uh, uh, I mean, yeah. What what is it that you find yourself kind of leaning towards when it when making that decision? Well, I, I was a teamster for ten years, so like Anthony, like labor, the relationships between the candidates and labor mean a lot to me. Um, and then outside of that, sometimes you know, all things are are equal. It's unaddressed, and I'll look for the more environmentally friendly candidate, the candidate that's closer to Bernie, right? Like that's usual. Um, you know, he's kind of a national figure and you generally know what he's about. So I, I generally lean towards that. And then I also, I a hundred percent like really keep in my mind that we're all good people in our own heads and, and they could be like the worst candidate from my perspective, but they're not doing it to be evil, right? They're doing it because they have this other idea of how to make Springfield, Lane County, Oregon better. And um, I try to get that. I try to think about like, where is this person coming from that I don't understand, you know, what they're doing. So for, for me, it's, it's um, I go towards like the Bernie candidate after labor environment is probably like the next thing. My familiarity with them in the community, you know, I've lived here since 2006. And been pretty active, you know, the, the whole time in politics as far as just doing door knocking and, and low-level Democratic Party stuff. So my familiarity comes with them a little bit. At the same time, let me let me reverse myself because I think we are way obsessed, the Democratic Party, on credentialism and like, did you do this and did you do that and did you do this? And we've got to be more accepting of fresh faces with new ideas. So... Sometimes it's a little bit of me, you know, knowing someone for five, six, eight years and seeing them be like, oh, I'll throw a vote their way or and, and even speak on their behalf. Uh, but I, I should catch myself because, you know, we we've had we've had a lot. We've had a lot of the same ideas that bounce around in our party. Um, and maybe it's even not the same ideas, but the ideas that actually get traction and move are often, you know, very, very similar. So. So opening up to new candidates with different ideas, I think, is also really important. I, I've knocked doors for candidates that like are, are Anthony. I had a blast knocking doors for you. I was just going to bring it up. First time candidate. It was so easy to volunteer for Anthony Reed's campaign. Yeah, I was, was just going to bring that up because Anthony talking about fresh faces and, and bringing new ideas. Your run for city council or for school board 
which was, I don't know if you want to call it unsuccessful, but you didn't win the seat. You know, uh, I was so about it because you were talking about pushing for, um, you know, vocational training in high schools. And oh my gosh, that is absolutely what we need. Now, now I'm a barber, independent contractor barber. So you and I have talked about how I said, uh, you know, we we're talking on the phone. I'm like, well, that's cool. All these union things that you talk about, but that benefits me zero, you know, but that's not true. It's not true. And you, and we were talking about it because for me, uh, I, as an independent contractor, have the luxury of setting my prices. And unfortunately, with inflation, that gets higher. And so to get a haircut, it's more expensive. But at least I have that power that I can be like, this is what I'm worth and I can charge that. And so I can kind of dictate how much my hourly rate is, you know, and then the quality has to speak for itself, of course. But yeah, I, Anthony, I, lo I love what you were doing with pushing for vocational training. And I hope that that's something that you are, will continue in the future as far as a school board race, because I think that's the right place to start with that. Yeah, I, I, the whole time, this whole podcast, I've been thinking just uh, when Jim's talking about knocking doors and, and yakking at people that aren't necessarily on the list. I remember he did that did that for me. And when he talks about speaking up for people that, uh, you know, that he feels he can get behind, he did that for me. So, Jim, I want to thank you. Thank you for your support in that. Um, for Patty, I was trying, I was telling Patty and Jim, maybe I can get your opinion on this, but <clears throat> it's a weird setup for barbers because they don't necessarily have anybody to bargain with other than, uh, for instance, the people that they're selling their services to. But if you were to set your price at a certain, you know, say $28 or $30, whatever it is for a haircut. Now that may seem expensive, but I'm a journeyman carpenter for the union. And I can tell you right now, it's more expensive to hire me than to hire a non-union outfit right but you're getting what you pay for you're going to get somebody who's well trained we have the best apprenticeships out there uh where we have a drug-free workspace we're on time we're going to deliver under budget you know and so uh, as far as the barbers union the thing that you could collectively bargain with is insurance companies and yeah. you know and, and having having buying power with a large amount of barbers where you can say hey we're going to charge 30 but we're all going to throw five at healthcare right and so you're all going to chip in that every haircut the you know or four dollars whatever it is so you can collectively bargain with that uh with that insurance company to maybe get you guys some coverage or some dental or whatever you know whatever. maybe that's something so that, that down the road maybe that's something that we can work on and try to see if we can get something started locally because <laughs> i would be i would be down now i think sometimes being a barber is a lot like uh, gig worker or, or musicians even where you're not paying the person for the haircut you're paying for their experience <laughs> you know you're not paying for that 25 minutes that they're in your chair you're paying for the 20 years that they've learned how to how to any single texture that walks through the door you're ready to cut it you know and cowlicks and all that we can be here for days but yeah i mean like you're saying he's a, as a as a journeyman carpenter there's a reason that title is you know you you've got a lot of experience and a lot of advanced training and those kind of things and so that's really important to how much you know you're paying for the quality of work that you're getting uh i want to change gears real quick and talk a little bit about the governor race uh because this is something that has for me has been something i haven't really put a ton of focus into i don't really have any, any thoughts on the republican candidates uh there's 19 of them I do know that Thomas, I'm obligated to mention Thomas Huda's name every episode, and Thomas Huda <laughs> interviewed GOP candidate Tim McLeod on the Broken Class podcast, and I highly recommend you listen to that. Uh, you know, there's 19 candidates, it's wild, so I, I don't even know if we'll get into that. But what is your, your guys' take? We'll start with you, Jim, uh, on, the, on, the, on the governor race, and then also Betsy Johnson, the third-party candidate, could be really throwing something a wrench in that i know a lot of republicans that are going to support her so yeah what is your take on the governor's race it's it's the most interesting race in the country um because you have 
you know, uh, a pretty unpopular outgoing governor, uh, Kate Brown. I think she might be nationally the lowest sitting governor in popularity. With even state. more unpopular uh, than a guy that was repealed, even though he was kept in, you know, like with, with, yeah. with Gavin Newsom. Yeah. There, there's, you know, and, and some of that, you know, isn't deserved. Some of that is deserved. So I think like what we have with, um, uh, for for this governor's race between Tina Kotek, Tobias Reed, Patrick Starnes, and and coming out on the Democrat side, I think you know that's interesting on its own. It's a little bit milk toast. Patrick Starnes is probably the only thing that really mixes it up among among the Dem. I know there's more candidates on the Dem side, but uh, Tobias Reed and, and Tina Kotek running aren't very big shocks, and and they're running pretty straightforward. Right. Tobias Reed being an outsider is is funny. Right. He's like a city treasurer. But when you compare it to Dita Kotek, who's been in office for 20 years, I guess you are an outsider. But the most the most interesting thing that puts us on the map is Betsy Johnson. Big time. Running on running unaffiliated. You know, the the second largest party in this in this um, or second largest part, second largest political designation in this state is not affiliated. Second only to the Democrats. And then and then come the Republicans. I have been waiting for someone to use this strategy. I am so disappointed it's Betsy Johnson. I've known Betsy Johnson for a long time, um, not only through her in the, in, in the state Senate, but through people that I know in Astoria. I, I, have not, I don't have anything good to say about Betsy Johnson. Wow. Betsy, Johnson was a, Betsy Johnson was a terrible Democrat, a terrible Democrat, absolutely terrible. We never, ever, ever disciplined her. And what happened? Well, now we have a Frankenstein, someone someone that we've created, given her a whole lot of power, a platform. And and now you've got someone that may shake this this race out of your control, which should be a layup. I think that um, she has a huge chance. You know, my dad, she, she, she not only has a chance herself, but she will suck off more Democrat votes from our base than she's going to, I think, pull from the Republicans. So it's it's a chaos maker. And, and the worst part is it wasn't like this was a great person and it was like, oh, darn, um, you know, X went their own way and um, oh, we, we could have been a better party. We should have been we, we should have drummed Betsy Johnson out of this party years ago for being anti-environment, anti-labor. She's terrible. She's been terrible. Wow. She's a bully also in the state capitol as far as like asking for things with with our with our state workers. But at the same time. Kudos to Betsy for her jumping in the race as a third party. She's going to create a lot of chaos. She's got $2 million from Phil Knight and a whole bunch of other rich timber and corporate people that, that you know, it's going to shake it up. And if she gets elected, it will be the worst. We, we need to take this as a lesson and say, if we're a party, what are our principles? When people run afoul of them, what do we do? And, and, and we don't do a lot. We've got our own sitting Democrats that are endorsing Betsy Johnson. Lee Beyer, our very own state senator, has endorsed Betsy Johnson. I wonder if it's just because, you know, because of how unpopular Kate Brown has been, okay, and that, that there's this, uh, t you know, Tina Kotek, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, she is Kate Brown. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the way that they're going to campaign it, you know what I mean, for the Republican side. I wonder if there's support going towards Betsy Johnson because people want to distance themselves from this perceived far left, whatever, you know, that kind of thing, even oh, yeah. in, inside the Democratic Party. Sometimes I want to do that, you know, as a human being. I'm not running for anything ever, you know, so but 
Uh, yeah, it, that's that's an interesting take. I say wow, not because I don't agree. I don't know a lot about her. So I'm glad that you were you were here to talk about it. And we will have time. She's she's going to be around. Now, I have to ask something. She's running in the independent party is a party, right? I mean, it's not it's not in there's a non-affiliated voter, correct? Mm-hmm. So she's running a primary right now. So there's people that are registered as an independent. Is that that that's who's voting for Betsy Johnson? Is that correct? Or is she is there she's probably not running opposed? I don't know. No, I I believe that Betsy Johnson is running unaffiliated. Is it non-affiliated voter? Party. Okay. Yeah, not okay. with the Independence Party. She's she's running unaffiliated and with the way our numbers are in this state, that's we've always been vulnerable for that. We're vulnerable for that in Springfield. We yeah. should we should be way more um, inviting to unaffiliated voters, recognizing why they're unaffiliated and how we can reach them. But um, I, I believe Betsy is not running with the Independence Party. Betsy is unaffiliated. You will see her on the ballots in November. In November. And that's interesting because there's people that are going to be frustrated that don't understand the process that are like, why is she not on my ballot? I'm not affiliated, you know, or whatever. And I I mean, I don't know if non-affiliated voters... They're still voting in the primary, correct? I mean, they do they get a ballot? It's just empty. No, they they don't. They don't even get one. Voters, no, they they don't they don't get to vote in ours, and and obviously we're we're tied into you know it's a closed primary in Oregon, right? Yeah, so I've, Democrats, yeah. I'm I'm kind of um, interested in an open primary, but there is issues when you have such polarization in certain areas that I think that in the nev- November election, because turnout in the midterms is usually smaller, that if you have a dominant blue or dominant red state, that in the general election, you'll have two candidates from the party that's dominant and not, you know, and so that's always, that's a reason for rank choice voting. And that is a conversation we can have at a different day or star voting, which I've, t- I've covered a lot. Uh, uh, go ahead. Oh, I'm I'm curious what Anthony's take on Betsy Johnson. Yeah, is. Let's, or let's... and then the whole race as well. I mean, I, I rambled a little bit there. No, you're good. I'm, no, you're I'm, good. I'm, I'm I'm psyched up because I have not liked Betsy Johnson, maybe like eight or ten years. I, I've wow. been well aware of Betsy Johnson and and disliked her as as being part of her party. Yeah, Anthony, and, what's your, what's your take? I was over here smirking just because I've I, you know Patty and I talk and I've heard him talk positively about Betsy Johnson and to hear you come in and just railroad her. And I don't know. At, yeah. I'm looking at Patty just going, Oh man, <laughs> like, Oh geez, I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, you know, that was kind of, it was kind of, that's why I was over here smirking, but no, um, you know, I stated how I vote, I vote my, I vote my paycheck and I vote with labor. And the thing about Tina Kotek and you can say, you know, she's, she's established or whatever. Um, I talked to my political organizer, uh, Matt Swanson for the Pacific North, West Regional Council of Carpenters, like the, the big guy for the six Western states. And I said, hey, can you send me over some information so that I have some like hard stuff on what, you know, what's been done for us? Um, dude, I've got five pages double sided of things Tina Kotek has done that's positive for Oregon that I ended. I was like, OK, I can never bring all that up. I got a short list of things that, that are good for our our unions and for labor. The prevailing wage, Senate Bill uh, 493, the prevailing wage law, uh, paid sick leave for for union guys, which is something we, we've never had. So that's a huge deal. Um, the thing that uh, – so um, Senate Bill 420, which also Senator Manning and uh, um, and Joe Bernie, you know, helped work on saying this uh, community uh, collective bargaining agreements are legal, like putting it on the books. Labor standards for renewable energy projects. Um I know you're going to like that. Uh, so there's money for enforcement, making sure bullies funded enough that they can go after the bad actors. So when, and I know Patty, we've talked a little bit about, or you've heard me talk 
heard me rant about, uh, you know, having Bully come in. And that's one thing that's also important right now. Christina Stevenson running for uh, for the head of or for labor. Um, commissioner. For that, yeah, labor commissioner. So uh, the head of Bully is that she would continue the work that Val's done. Essentially, before Val came in, Bully would say, hey, you know, you guys have been really cheating your cheating your employees out of wages. You've been misclassifying them and you didn't pay your overtime. Um, if you just pay the back pay, then we won't levy any fines against you. And so what as a contractor, you go, hey, check it out. I don't pay them the right wages. I cheat. If I get away with it, I make a ton of money. If I don't, then I just pay them what I was supposed to in the first place. How is that? How is that going to be effective at enforcing uh, any kind of uh <laughs> you know, yeah, wage theft. The old ask it's, for it's forgiveness, like allowing not, wage theft. The old ask for forgiveness, not permission model. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So, and Val's actually changed that to where they're levying fines, or you could actually suspend contractors' license. It's got some teeth. So, Bully's coming back for the for the worker. Another thing she's changed, uh, you know, on Val is that uh, the website, making it to where you can go on the website and file a complaint. You used to have to get a, a paper document, fill it out. To, you know, it's it was very cumbersome to try to file a complaint. They didn't want you filing complaints. Now it's easy. It's easy to do. And, um, you know, for people that work in labor, that's huge. It's very important because if, especially if you're not in a union, I can just call my rep and be like, Hey, Jeff, check this out. This guy's cheating me down here. You know, they've been working us overtime and not paying us. They're there in an instant. And they're like, Hey, your contract, you are signatory to this contract. You guys are, we're going to have a problem for people that don't have that contract. Um, it's important to have, an entity like bully to come down on them and say, Hey, you got to pay. And actually, uh, Julie Fahey, uh, Val, there's several people involved, but they've actually got a, um, a pool of money. Now the Oregon state government has a pool of money they can use to just pay the employees when they get cheated, pay them. And then they go after the contractor and say, Hey, you owe us. But that way the, the, your, uh, employees, these guys, the workers are not waiting for their money. I can't wait to feed my kids. I can't wait to feed my dogs. I can't wait to put gas in my truck to get to work. I need that money now. Yeah. Right. So when I say I vote my paycheck, I mean, these are the kind of things I'm talking about. Things that mean a lot to people on the ground, boots on the ground. Yeah. All right, guys. So one more topic and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, this is a, you know, funny topic for three men to talk about, but uh, the band, the bands off our bodies march in DC and across the country, you know, and today, uh, in Washington, DC, they're expecting NBC reported that they're expecting 170,000 people to be in DC for uh, a women's March, a women's rights March. Uh, and then I think it, it, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe that the rally in Eugene starts at 2 PM at the federal building. Is that correct? Do you guys know? Okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to meet at the federal building an hour before the march, which I believe that they're actually going to meet at the EMU on campus at 3 p.m. Yeah. So they'll, it'll start at the federal uh, Wayne Morris Federal Building. Val Hoyle might be there. Senator James Manning, I think, might be there. Julie Fahey might be there. Um, so they're going to speak, and then it'll go to their uh, EMU. And then, uh, Pretty sure there's going to be a Patty Rose appearance. I think I'm going to be going to this one. Uh, this is something that I feel deeply strongly about that that something has to be done it's really scary what we're seeing right now with with what's happening with the supreme court because it's not not only is it bad because of reproductive rights for women and healthcare rights for women it's bad because it it could it could lead to the you know gay marriage being repealed it could lead to a lot of stuff so we'll see uh, it's going to be a really challenging time for for our country and i worry about when some of this stuff when you start taking away people's rights there's going to be some some hell to pay Hey Patrick, I don't know if you saw. I shared a I shared a, um, an article this morning about minority rule, 
And, and that's exactly what we're seeing with this. And this is, this is terrible, but you've got uh, presidents who are elected by the minority appointing judges who now make decisions like this for the majority. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about it, uh, it's been what Jim and maybe you can correct me, but I don't think that every Republican president in the last 20 years has been voted in by the minority. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have 19, when you have 19 candidates for governor in Oregon, for example, for the Republicans. So the person that wins the primary is going to have 11 votes. Well, and then when the minority, you know, when you're when the minority candidates win and then they get into office and then they appoint judges to change voting registration and voting rules. So you have voter suppression, they redistrict, they uh, you have gerrymandering. And so basically get in with the minority vote and then make it so it's impossible to get rid of them. And when they do get rid of them, they've already greased the path to get back into into office as a minority leader. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody get out there today. Support women's health care rights. You know, uh, like I said, 2 p.m. at the federal building in Eugene. Uh, you said 3 p.m. at the EMU. Okay. Yep. Uh, do you guys have closing thoughts? Jim, I'll start with you. Closing thoughts? Um, well, just, you know, on, on really quick on Roe v. Wade, it's terrible. We're going to go through like a painful process as a country as we figure a lot of stuff out. And it stinks because it's there it's so easily inflamed and it it gets really far away from the substance and really quick to emotions and manipulating people and and that's what i see and i i just want to make one other comment on that like lately the supreme court clarence thomas has spoken out about like you know how the institution has been degraded or something and and to me that was somewhat infuriating because I'm like, you, you people have watched all these institutions around the United States crumble, you know, through, through some of your own efforts and in very, very, you know, malicious and deceptive ways. And, and now that it hits the Supreme Court, you know, you're where we, we need the fainting couch because there's protest right outside a judge. These people have love protest, right? I mean, outside of outside Planned Parenthood, they they can't get enough of protest. And then when it comes to a judge's house, there it's just completely different. So I'm, it is upsetting. I, I encourage everyone that um, that wants to see sensible, you know, uh, legislation on the federal level to, of course, go down to it. Uh, closing thoughts on this: Get out there and vote. It doesn't happen a lot. Only every two years. Um, I am I am a Democrat, but I also my mom is a Fox News Republican, Fox News Republican, Trump lover. I still love my mom. Right. And so I talk to everyone, unaffiliated voters, anyone. If you all ever want to talk, please uh, reach out to me and I'm happy to. But, yeah, vote, knock doors for who you like and um, try to listen to each other. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Anthony Reid, closing thoughts. Yeah, I um Agreed. You got to get out. You got to get out and vote. And for people that think that politics don't matter or that, you know, that's just stuff that happens whether I'm involved or not, you know, for which way for a long time of my younger life was me. I think, you know, that's something that just happens and uh, it happens passively. Right. Um, And now as a union member, like I said, one piece of legislation takes away all our power, as you see now uh, with if you're not paying attention to what's going on in the government, uh, they're going to make sure that that they, it's their support, you know, they're, what they want supported is going to be supported, even if it's the minority, it doesn't, and it doesn't represent uh, democratic values. You got to pay attention, you got to get out there and vote, and it starts at the lowest level, so make sure you get your ballots in, make sure you get out there, like Jim said, support the people that, that are fighting for you, because uh, if they don't get voted in, 
There's not much they can do about it. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to uh, Jenny Davidson. I'm going to read her, co- her comment. Thank you for getting out there and talking to folks. It really makes a difference. Thank you for leaving your comment. And then to Jerry Allen Reed, thank you for supporting women's rights and unions. Thank you so much for your comment. Uh, this is the cool thing about these live streams is that it gives me a chance to have interaction from the, from the audience members as well. And, the, and we'll get the word out. Uh, and she just added another one. You're going to love this. Anthony Reed for office. It doesn't even matter what office. Yeah. Yeah, that's my mom. So. Oh well, you know, cool, cool. <laughs> and the, and the, the other comments from my wife. So you know, you're welcome. Whatever, I'll, I'll keep you bringing, know, I'll keep bringing comments for you. <laughs> hey, this is a small local podcast, and and your mom and your wife represent a huge portion of of Springfield. It's a small town. So, so Jim Couples and Anthony Reed, thank you both so much. I want to say how much I appreciate not only you being here on the podcast, but also your friendship behind the scenes. I'm learning a lot from both of you, and I really look forward to you know, the coming, uh, years and where we see this thing go. Uh, I'm stoked to do this show. I know that it's a small thing and and it doesn't have a huge reach, but it's growing and I'm, I'm making some big moves behind the scenes that I'll be able to announce more about later. So thank you both so much for doing this, uh, for the audio listeners. I'm not going to be able to play the songs anymore on the shows, on the streams. So only for the audio listeners, because YouTube doesn't like uh, copywritten material. And even though it's my own music, sometimes it's still copywritten. So, so uh, for the audio listeners, we'll be ending it with a song. But for everyone else, the, the stream's going to end. But thanks, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, thanks for having me on. And you guys can thank hang you. out, hang tight real quick. But yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Spent the Rent podcast. Go to strpod.com. And now for the audio listeners, uh, we're going to end this with a song. This is me, Patty Rose, with the song Conflicting Sides. We are broken and tired. The world is on fire. The lines are drawn and you and I are on conflicting sides. Can be a thing of the past If we look at ourselves and ask Are we accomplishing anything? Are we actually trying to bring Anyone comfort or Is the goal to divide The conflicting sides
us if we look at ourselves and ask Are we accomplishing anything? Are we actually trying to bring anyone comfort? Or is the goal to divide the conflicting sides? We are broken and tired The world is on fire The lines are drawn and you and I are on conflicting sides We are broken Conflicting sides.